You can't have a conversation about the economic engine of Las Vegas without giving it up for the casino and hotel workers. And since 1935, Culinary Union Local 226 has grown in power by advancing the interest of all those folks who keep our city running. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we welcome Secretary Treasurer Ted Papa George. Recently, Culinary 226 secured an historic contract with the three biggest companies operating on the Strip. But their work isn't done. We talk about the next rounds of negotiations and their growing involvement in the bigger world of our city. It's Tuesday, December 12th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Ted Papa George, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Great. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, glad to have you. It's actually an honor. Uh, You've been involved in uh, culinary for a really long time. And Ted, most everyone agrees that this last round of negotiations with the big three companies operating on the Strip was historic for union members. So let's put on your bragging hat for a second. What, What are the historic components of these contracts that you've negotiated with the big three so far? Well, look, we we negotiated a an economic package that uh, you know doubled what we got in our last contract, and the last contract was the best contract we ever had, and and it was front loaded, and that means that a lot of the uh, wage increases hit in the first year, so um, we ended up with a package of about three dollars an hour, a little more, including healthcare and pension money. Um, but we've got tipped and non-tipped workers, and the vast majority of our workers are non-tipped workers. Almost 70% of our workers are non-tipped. And so we reallocate the money and you know, calculate how much goes to non-tipped workers and how much goes to tip workers. And that got a $3 an hour wage increase across the board for non-tipped workers and about $1.50 an hour for tip workers, which is 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 tremendous. In addition to that, we we needed forty one cents for health care and another ten cents that to go into our pension. We've got a defined benefit pension plan. We're very proud of it. But the real fight, because all these companies knew that they were gonna have to deliver big in the first year, that it was the it was the out years of the contract, and that's the five years. And and what was really the issue was what can we do um through the end of the contract, five years. And we were able to get, um, again, a total package of $9.21 for over the five years, which, you know, normally when you negotiate a contract, you start lower and you end up trying to take into account inflation and end up higher towards the end of the contract. And that's more of a, what we call backloading finances. But we were able to do that and get tremendous increases throughout the contract. And that means that an average culinary union worker, the average worker, will be pushing over $30 an hour compensation by the end of this uh, contract. So just just the, the, the economics are tremendous. And, um, and that was a big issue, but we, we called it a five-point package. And, you know, this issue of daily room cleaning was a huge issue for us and overall workload for our housekeepers, which is one of our largest 
groups in our membership. And we had a huge victory. We got a credit reduction across the board. And, you know, housekeepers have quotas they have to hit. Um, it's an incredibly difficult job. People come to Vegas. It's not like other major metropolitan areas where you've got a lot of business travel. People come to party and rooms are dirty. Um, and or if worse. Room- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there and, is worse and, than dirty too there. Yeah. There is. And, and, and if, and if rooms aren't clean daily, that means when you get to the room, you've got days of filth that you're dealing with. And I'm just going to take a second on this, but the look, housekeepers have a station and they keep up their station the way you keep up your house. You kind of know what you've got. And you also, you know, the guest and you understand that if you've got a family with kids that you're going to deal with, or you've got a bunch of frat boys that are drinking and you got to watch yourself. And or you've got some single individual that you have to keep an eye on. And also, you know who your coworkers are on the floor and they keep an eye out for each other, too. So right. there, there's safety issues involved because you're working alone when you're up in the towers um, and you're dealing with all sorts of situations with the guests that are you know drinking and, and all sorts of things that happen. You know, you mentioned that this was years in the making, uh, but, you know, what we hear uh, out here in the public it, it is about the days leading up to the the final contract, right? Uh, we hear that uh, they go round the clock for 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 a week, you know. And I, I mean, are you are you staying at the property when this is going on? Uh, do you get to go home? Do you get to take naps there? I mean, really, what are the the nuts and bolts of that? final stretch of the negotiations. Are you passing numbers back and forth on little slips of paper? Uh, is everyone at one big table? That sort of thing. Well, look, we're we're a democratic institution. We have rank and file members that are on our, on our negotiating committee and they earn the right. It's a privilege to be in negotiations and they make a sacrifice. They decide that they're going to be in the negotiations from the very first one. They're going to stay from the start to the finish and they're going to do all the subcommittees, all the meetings, all the negotiations until they get a contract. And that could take weeks, months, whatever. So what happens is, is that there's a lot of education that has to happen. You know, when we're sitting with MGM, there's 400 people in the room. And wow. uh, yeah. There's literally 400 people sitting in a room and 400 there's... people sitting in the room. Yeah. So, okay. so it's a, it's because, you know, they're, they're our largest employer, probably, you know, over 20,000 members just with, with MGM, 23,000, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so these main table negotiations are all day long. You know, the union can't accept any funding from the company to feed people. We have to pay for folks for their meals. We okay. have to we have to get large areas. Usually they're inside the hotels to rent a ballroom or we go to our training academy, culinary academy that seats about 500 folks. Um, and so everything that we do is in stages to make sure these companies understand there's a timeline. You're going to have the ability to settle. It's out there. We want a settlement. But if not, there's going to be a strike. And while we're demonstrating, you know, whether it's out on the strip where we're doing picket lines or actions or the CDs or whatever it is, at the same time, our workers are inside the employee dining room signing everybody up on strike pledges that are picking their they're picking their strike uh, 
their shift that they're going to pick it. They're picking their days off. They're signing up to get their strike benefits so it can be deposited into their bank accounts. All that's happening while we're negotiating. And it's all has to happen in a very public way so that these companies understand that it's not smoke and mirrors. At the end of the day, we want a deal. We want a settlement. But we're going to have to have certain things a certain way or folks are willing to strike. Ted, I, I appreciate that the perception, uh, you know, and, and the ability to follow through on the actual threat of a strike has to be there. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're just blowing smoke. But some commentators uh, had a lot of info about the sequence of events that happened before they happened, which I guess sort of begs the question, was a lot of this just going through the motions to show the strength and the relevance of the union, but that there was always going to be an inevitable conclusion that you were going to hit that contract when you did? Yeah, I, I think that there's a few kind of internet personalities out there that, um, you know, it's pretty easy to sit around and make predictions. Um, well, they when you, when were you, pretty when remarkably you, accurate, though, Ted. Yeah, some of but that's, them. But that's not <laughs> remarkably but that's, like. Yeah, but the David, order of of when but, they were going to come out in the day. <laughs> yeah, but but David, that's not too hard to do. We're pretty public on what we do. Look, I think folks that don't have any skin in the game, uh, look, we kind of avoid. We look at it as a bunch of noise and kind of avoid the haters essentially. And what you've really got is. This is a company town at the end of the day. That's what it is, whether it's just like a mining town or a steel town. We're a big metropolitan area now with a lot of, you know, several million people here, but it's, it's still a company town. And when you're headed for a real fight where workers are really putting their livelihood on the line, putting their families on the line, their homes on the line, you know, there's going to be uh, what I call just company mouthpieces out there that are going to... Uh, kind of do the work of the boss. Um, and that's what that's all about. Kind of this kind of snarky attitude out there about stuff being staged and all that stuff is kind of a form of snobbery, in my opinion, that is just demeaning to workers. Um, and it, here, what happens at that last week is that we're not there. We think we're going to get there, but we're not. And what we've got to do is make a decision that we're going to stay as long as we can. So, for example, with MGM, we start at 10 in the morning with an idea where we want to get. And we don't get there till 530 in the morning because, for example, or I'm sorry, we started with Caesars. One of our big issues were retro back pay. And it's yeah. a strike issue. The companies were holding off on retro until the very end. They weren't was, willing was to go Was that the there. last holdout issue, Ted? Was retro back pay the big but the big last hurdle that you need to get through? Yeah, it was that. And the housekeeping issues were, were very difficult. And throughout the night of the final uh, day of negotiations, we were going back and forth to try to get this daily room cleaning issue figured out, for example. And it's quite complicated because, um, you know, companies uh, have created the ability to talk to guests at the front desk and through mobile kiosk. And then the ability to then simply put a do not disturb out on, on your door, which is what, what we want folks to be able to do. But other than that, we want daily room cleaning offered. So that issue. And then the, the other big thing out there, this technology issue is quite complicated. Um, 
we got through and did that. that. Did that land to, at the end too? I mean, was it really all these things were just really in the very last hours, or were there just a couple of those things that you mentioned, uh, the retro pay and the and the housekeeping stuff? The housekeeping. the The last issue was this issue about uh, we proposed to change our no strike language to allow us to have the ability to support non-union workers that are organizing, even though we have settled a contract. And mm -hmm. that was a contentious issue that required a lot of back and forth and the the final back and forth on the language. And so, you know, when we were able to settle with Caesars, you know, at 5.30 or so in the morning, we had MGM scheduled at 10 o'clock that, that day. So, you know, folks run home and take a nap. Um, try to get prepared. It doesn't start on time, but the, each company still has their own take on those issues. And But once one company is settled, that's helpful for us because it's very difficult for another company to say, okay, we're not, you're not taking us all on, we're just taking on us. But at the same time, each company has their own individual issues that, are, that they're willing to take a strike over. Right. Um, so that that is a and it's a a period where at the end of the day uh, workers make the decisions. You have to have faith in workers that they're smart, they're very smart, and the idea of balancing a strike versus the very best uh, package you can get. But our workers look. This pandemic changed people's and it changed their mentality because companies didn't bring people back as soon as they needed to. Folks had to do extra workload and they went through a lot. And this idea that folks are just somewhat disposable coming out of the pandemic and not really feeling valued really left a mark on folks. Yeah. And so this idea um, that, you know, people were ready to strike, um, you know, was very powerful. And no, very absolutely. Real. And, you know, Ted, for time, I was I was going to try to engage you in a conversation about the, the one tactic that from my vantage point was a little too far, which was the the arrests and coordinating that with LVMPD. But I'm not going to put you on the spot for that. I hope you will come I, back to talk about that. I can't I don't have time. I want to. That's too I bad. More, I know because I, I have bad. so many thoughts. It would be so fun. We could do that another time. Well, um, you better set aside some time for it, David. You no, know, I know I will. I want to talk all you're, about that. You're, you're um, a little but, off track on all that stuff, and I have to have a little bit of say-so on that. Well, as somebody very involved in, in the carceral system and who was involved in defending all the people who got arrested for disturbing the peace, for protesting police policy, it hit very close to home. But that's it. Yeah. And I know you're not going to go to jail, Ted Papa George. No one would put you in jail for striking at all. It will never except, happen. Except that I've been in jail. I've been in jail for striking and we have a long history. And when we send folks out, we prepare them that if they're going to have to go to jail, they're ready to do it. And that's a yeah. big decision, David. So I think to trivialize that is just way off the mark. Well, except that no one is not going to have their charges dismissed. I looked at your old ones too, Ted. I looked at 2013 and 2014. They were also dismissed. But Yeah, but you didn't look when we went on strike in the 90s and we oh, were I know that one. That one's real. That one, 100%. I, I am with and, you and I and, am 100% on union side on that one. And here, 100%. But here's the point. The idea that somehow these folks are not real protesters or they're not really fighting is just, that's nonsense. And so look, we, we, we do have some other time I think you wanna to put to this, but it is emotional. And the idea that these are folks or moms and dads that decide to go out and put an arrest on their record 
That's real. But the idea that also that, you know, and this is a funny thing, and, and Democrats have this problem, right? This idea of figuring out how you can support the cops and you want safety in your neighborhoods and schools, and you're also rigorously uh, pushing for policing reform, you can do both. And so the idea that, you know, when we tell the cops, we're going to do this. If you want to work with us, great. And if you don't, that's fine. We're going to do this. And the cops say, okay, we're not going to put 100 people in jail and jam up the courts. We're going to take folks. We're going to cite people. We're going to arrest them. And we're going to release them. The idea that folks like you, David, trivialize that because, oh, it's not pure protesting. It doesn't pass a purity test is, I, I just think that's demeaning. And so the end, of the end of the day, those were workers that made that decision to go out and do that. And it was a big deal. And, and it's a pretty powerful thing. But at the end of the day, David, I want to say this. We have to ignore all of that. You, you have the right to criticize and so do other folks. Other folks out there kind of, I, I'm not saying you, I'm a big fan of your work, by the way, Dave. Oh, so, I appreciate that. But this this kind of smugness from folks that are more corporate mouthpieces out there and trying to trash workers and trash the union. We all have to ignore that. If we listen to all that stuff, there wouldn't be a union. So we, we have to keep moving forward. The number one thing is that we know that if we're ready to strike, that's an absolute necessity to get these kind of deals. And at the end of the day, you got to try to land. It's like landing these planes and, um, we were able to do it, and, and we're very proud of the work we did. Very proud of it. All right, Ted, I'm going to give you the last word then on that topic, and that's not just because you threw me a compliment, uh, but more, <laughs> more conversation on that someday, my friend. Um, all right, let's, let's do this. The big three are now out of the way, at least for five years. So what comes next for culinary contracts? Look, that sets the tone, but there's no bargaining association on the strip. We have to be the cop, and what that means is is that if somebody like Caesars Entertainment who stepped out in a big way and said, okay, we're going to settle this deal and we'll be first. If we say to them, okay, but other strip employers who maybe don't have as big a footprint on the strip, but they're still massive billionaire companies around the country or around the world aren't going to pay the same freight you are, we'll never be able to get Caesars to come forward and make that deal again and, and be first. So we've got 24 more contracts, some of them on the strip, some of them downtown, that um, we've got to get settlements. And we're negotiating right now to separate out who wants to get in the good guy column. And uh -huh. I think we come back after January and, and we're going to have strike deadlines. And I think we're going to have some strikes. Well, if you listen to the podcast, we had uh, Jonathan Jossel, the CEO of uh, Plaza, on the other day, and he said that he has no doubt that he's going to come to uh, terms with the culinary. He's just waiting for a piece of paper to come over, and he says it's going to be done well in advance of the Super Bowl. So you might have an easy uh, win over there, uh, and you could also quote the podcast to him. I'll, I will do that when we bring that piece of paper over to him. I'll mention that David said, here, you're ready to sign. Well, that's what he said. So, um, all right, Ted, this has really been fascinating. We, you know, we, we see a lot of press releases coming out, but it, it's really nice to talk about really the, the, the inner workings of, of how these kind of come down. And, and Ted, I want to end this way. Um, you know, there's stories all across uh, the country. They're mixed about how unions are uh, thriving or dying, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no doubt when it comes to Las Vegas, Culinary is thriving and objectively is, is a powerful entity. And 
When it comes to venturing into politics and policies away from the bargaining table, I just want to ask you this. How do you make sure that your power is used in ways that not only help your members, but help Las Vegas as a whole? Well, look, there's a huge challenges for the labor movement and, um, and we've got to grow. We're not big enough. And we've had a history of long, difficult, nasty strikes, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And that's what our success is about. And, but our people are also residents, you know, where, where our kids go to the schools and we have to deal with the traffic and um, our voices should be heard. You know, the idea that our issues don't belong in the legislature, we've heard some of that with daily room cleaning. We just reject that. Um, and the issues of, of politics, like at the end of the day, our members are part of this community and they, uh, I think they need to make sure their voices are heard. And one way is to do that is make sure we elect people that pay attention to working class uh, voters. And that's a big uh, responsibility of ours. And But we've got a national responsibility. It's a battleground state. It's a presidential year coming up. We've got, you know, the most pro-union president any of us have ever seen in our lifetime. And, um, you know, there's some work to do and our members are going to make sure their voices are heard. Ted Papa George, thanks so much for joining us today on CityCast Las Vegas. All right. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not go tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Till then, y'all stay lucky. So hang on a sec. I have got a, this new phone that I got. I, I threw it away and it's still loud. Hold on a sec. I got to figure it's out. It's coming back for you. It's like a zombie phone.